Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Season Saints Throwback Sunday. Uh, some of us have bad backs and weak backs and hurting backs, but uh, we're just glad to be back. <laughs> but uh, it's nice to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, Brother Jacob and I talked about uh, the Throwback Sunday, and we thought about uh, saying, uh, does anybody have a song they want to sing? Does anybody have a testimony? Then we remembered you're Pentecostal, <laughs> and uh, that wouldn't go over too well. But it's good to be in the Lord's house and to enjoy his blessings, his favor. Uh, pastors kicking off two months of hope here at NCOG, and we had our hope trail, and what a great success that was. And Pastor last Sunday began to share with us on God's blessing and God's favor and the hope that we have in him. We've been uh, given the wonderful opportunity this morning as, as seasoned saints to share with you that God's past faithfulness gives hope for the future. And we're excited to share that with you today. In the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 21 through 23, Jeremiah, who was a weeping prophet or the prophet that had a lot of struggles in his life, shared these verses of Scripture with you and I. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is the Lord's mercies were not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And Jeremiah kind of summed up God's past faithfulness gives hope for the future. When he said, I recall to mind the blessings of God and the goodness of God and the favor of God that has shown upon my life. He said, and since I recall that to mind, I have hope. And so, again, we remind ourselves that God's past faithfulness gives us hope for the future. Father, may you take your words and the ministry that the seasoned saints share this morning, and may it encourage our hearts and lift us up, and may we be reminded of the past. May we look forward to the glorious future at NCOG, in our families, our nation, but most importantly, Lord, our future is secure in you, and we thank you for your blessing, your goodness in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. As Christians, we do not, and you should not, rely upon some certain things. We don't believe in luck. It's not my lucky stars. This is not my lucky day. It's just good luck didn't seem to fall into my hands. Or are we one of those that says, everything that just happens to me is just bad. I never have any good luck at all. Christians don't have luck. So, Pastor, wait a minute now. Uh, Christians don't believe in karma. We don't believe in good vibes. And this is for uh, you older generation, 40 and under won't get it. The Beach Boys saying, I'm picking up good vibrations. We don't believe in just getting good vibes. That doesn't just happen in the way we see it. We don't believe in being in the right place at the right time, although this morning you're in the right place at the right time. We don't believe, though, that that just happens to your life. We don't believe in happenstance that whatever's going to be will be, and whatever happens in my life is just going to come that way. We don't believe in that. To Jeremy Lamb and the rest of you, we don't believe that the force is with us all the time. If we don't believe in any of that, Pastor, where does hope come from and how do we have a future? We believe in the divine favor of a sovereign God who is yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the great I am that I am. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And we walk by faith and not by sight. So we believe that everything that happens in our lives, 
God has ordained, God has orchestrated, God has planned, and God is carrying out through our past to lead us into a glorious future. We walk in confidence in our pastor, our pastoral team here. We walk in confidence in our church family. We walk in confidence in the talents and gifts that God has given to you and I. We have confidence in those things, but our faith is in the everlasting, eternal, sovereign God. And everything that happens in our lives comes through the hands of an almighty, everlasting, sovereign God. His plan for you is to give you a future, give you hope, and know that every morning something new and something fresh can come into your lives that will bless you and give honor and glory to his name. I thought about our past faithfulness and or God's past faithfulness and how that it blesses you and I in the future. We're going to look briefly this morning at the life of Moses. Man, Sister Allison was talking about a, an old sermon, but this is not it. She, she, she remembered one of my sermons. That, that should be amen to everybody that's here this morning. <laughs> That should be something that your wife remembers, something you said the one time in her life. But we're going to look at the life of Moses. I want to just remind you this morning again that if we don't believe in all those things we mentioned, and we believe that God is sovereign, then when did God begin to operate in your life? And when did God begin to show forth his ministry and his favor and his blessings in your life? In the life of Moses, we want to look at God's faithfulness in a time of sowing in his life. Moses' life actually goes back, if you will, and well, we don't have time to go all the way through the scripture, but let's go back. And there's a young man by the name of Joseph who sold down into Egyptian slavery. He's there and he rises to the position of second in the kingdom under Pharaoh, and he establishes himself. A famine occurs in the land of Israel, and Jacob. And his family eventually moved down into Egypt. Sixty-six of them went, and there was Joseph and his two sons, his wife, and a total of 70 Israelites or 70 Hebrews established themselves in the nation of Israel. And God is at work now planning the life of Moses. And so before you were born, back through your ancestry, we remember, again, we recall, God is yesterday, God is right now, and God is tomorrow. So God already knows everything's going to happen in your tomorrow, but God was orchestrating and planning what he was going to do in your life even before you were born. Jeremiah reminds us that, doesn't he? He said, before I was formed in the womb, you knew me, and you called me, and you ordained me. Then the psalmist said, no, I was fearfully, wonderfully made while I was in the mother's womb, and before I was knit together. You had a plan and a purpose for my life. And my, that should give us hope for this morning and reason to rejoice this morning knowing that before we were born, the eternal God was manifesting his love and his mercy and his goodness and his grace unto you and I. And so these 70 come down into Egypt. They began to increase and multiply and grow. and They became a, a blessed nation because they're God's chosen people there. And God began to bless them. The Pharaoh, who knew not any of this past, and Joseph is dead, Jacob is dead, the Pharaohs are dead. A new Pharaoh arising, he doesn't know anything about this Israelite history, and this Israelite heritage, and he doesn't know anything about Joseph. And so he looks out upon the, these Israelite people, and he says this, my, they're increasing so much that if we go to war, they're going to 
rise up and they're going to align themselves with our enemies and they're going to overpower us and we're going to lose all of them. So they began to burden them and task them and force them to build cities and make them into slaves. And the more they abused them, the more God blessed them. And so in times of abuse, in times of trouble, in times of trials, in times of persecution, know that God is still multiplying and God is still blessing and God is still moving in his kingdom and his kingdom always shall and we will prevail. But the Israelites were suffering. The Pharaoh came up with another plan. He talked to the midwives and said this, I want you to kill every little baby boy that's born of the Israelites. Leave the girls, kill the boys. And so the midwives said, that, the Bible said the midwives feared God and they refused to do that. And Pharaoh was angry. He said, well, what's happening here? And they said, well, but these, by the time we get there in our travels, they're already born, so we can't do anything about that. And then he was so angry, he made another statement. He said to all the, Israel, the, all the Egyptian people there, every little male boy that's born, you see, throw him in the river, but let the little girls live. And so we already see a plan that God is formulating and God is bringing forth in the past in the, before even Moses is born. But then we read on that Moses is born to a faithful, godly Israelite family. They said he's a beautiful young boy and there's a future for him and there's a hope for him and there's a plan for him. Now all mamas think that about their little boys. I read that very few wives think that about their husband, but all mamas think that about little boys, that there's a great future, a great plan for them, and something good's going to happen in their lives. But they hit him for, they kept him there for three months, and then they could no longer keep him. So they made the little bulrush basket, and they placed him in the Nile River there. And we see the hand of God begin to operate there, and the hand of God begin to function there in Moses' life. He's placed there, and his sister Miriam is placed there to kind of keep an eye on him, see what happens. And Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the river there to walk along the riverbank. She spies a little basket. She sends a servant out. They draw it to her and say, here's a little boy. What are we going to do with him? Miriam, Moses' sister, steps out of the, on the bank there and said, I'll go find someone to take care of him for you. And they said, sure. So Moses goes back to his mom and dad there. Now, now, we don't read a lot through the Scripture there, and we can't interject a whole lot of things, but we can understand some Israelite history and some Israelite culture of what could have possibly happened there. Uh, Moses could have stayed there with his mom and dad anywhere for two years or three years or five years or maybe even up to 12 years. We don't know because that's when a young Hebrew boy began to be, become, uh, learn the Scriptures and began to grow into a young adulthood there. So he was with them for quite a time there. The Bible doesn't say that per se, but it's going to give some understanding of of the fact that Moses was with his family there for quite a while. And while he was there, they had to be what? They told him about Hebrew history. They told him about Hebrew culture. They told him about the Hebrew worship of God Jehovah. They told him about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He learned these things from his mom and dad there. He learned the, the, the value of family and the value of a religious heritage there and a godly heritage there. And he learned that while he was there with his mom and dad. And so we see the, the hand of God progressing in the past in Moses' life here as he began to grow there. And then we see some other things begin to happen to him there in his growing years. After he comes a young man, again, we don't know where it's his teenage years or when, but he's moved from his family back into the palace there. And he said, well, why, why would this be important in the life of Moses? But in the palace, he had opportunity to the political system, the economic system, the military system, the educational system, the social system, everything that the Egypt operated under, the Pharaoh and his mighty 
empire operated under, Moses had the opportunity to learn from that and glean from that and be able to be less. Well, why would a Hebrew boy need that? Well, that's going to be very necessary later on in his life there. And so we see what God is doing there in these formative years in his life. And Sister Allison and I didn't see it at that particular time, and, and God chose the route for us. But uh, when we began in the ministry we, at our local church, we did every position except except pastor. We, we did children's church. We did nursery. We did uh, teenage years. We did the, the youth group. We did uh, uh, taught every Sunday school class. We did everything that was due. Uh, she was ladies' ministries. I served on the finance committee. We did everything there was to do there except pastor. And we said, well, why are we doing all these things? And we even drove a church bus, the church van. Why are we doing all these things? And then the Lord called us into pastoral ministry, and it began to be clear to us. God had a purpose, and God had a plan, and God, God was operating in our past because he had a future for us to be able to fulfill there. And so when we went into pastoral ministry, didn't know anything about preaching and pastoring, but we knew how to handle every position in the church there and how to minister there and how, how they were carried out and how they operated and how they functioned together. And, and so in the life of Moses, in his time of sowing, we see God ministering in his life before he was born. We see God ministering in his life at his birth there and his formative years. God playing these seeds for Moses that was going to make Moses who God designed him and desired him to be later on in the history of Israel. And we, we worship in those times. Thank God when, when God ministers to us in our youth. Thank God when God ministers to our teenagers. Thank God when God moves mightily in our midst. And thank God when we begin to let, see that God has a plan and a purpose and God is working mightily. And when everything is falling into place and everything is going well, we're, we're appreciative of God's faithfulness. We thank you for his great faithfulness there. And sometimes we, we kind of rely upon that faithfulness without really being fully understanding of what God is doing and what God is accomplishing in our lives. And so Moses has everything kind of going his way, we, we could say. He, everything seems to be well. Everything seems to be pleasing. He's operating uh, in the Egyptian palace there, and he has a great future, a great life ahead of him. But in chapter 3 of Exodus, it shares this, and that's why I think the Bible, although it doesn't fill all the details, the Bible says some things about Moses. But it says, this, when Moses was fully grown, again, he could have been anywhere from 18 to 30 or so years old. Again, looking at the Hebrew history and Hebrew culture, we don't know, but he could have been somewhere in those years of his life there. But the Bible says this in Exodus chapter, when Moses was fully grown, he walked out of the palace one day, and again, we don't know whether he was uh, kind of isolated in the palace. I don't think so. I don't think the scripture, uh, again, indicates that. I don't think he didn't know what was going on, but because he had free reign to rule, uh, rule around. So evidently, he went back and visited mom and dad, and evidently, he, he went out and saw what's going on in the nation of Egypt there. But it says, when Moses fully grown, he walked out one day, and he saw an Egyptian abusing one of his fellow Israelites, And the Bible says that it was a, a brethren, one of his brothers, that, not a brother in the flesh, but one of the Israelite brethren. And Moses saw that, and he looked at that. So he, he evidently still had a connection to some degree with the Hebrew people because he considered them his brethren, his people. He considered them part of who he was, his, his heritage, his history. And he saw that occurring. And he said, I looked at, he looked out and saw their great burdens they were under. And when he saw that great burden and saw this Egyptian beating this Israelite, Moses was upset about it. He said, he, he can't do my brother this way. He can't treat my, my people this way. And Moses looked around and saw no one looking, he didn't think. And he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. God's faithfulness in our time of seasoning. 
When God begins to season you and I in his faithfulness. Again, thank God for the shouting time. Thank God for the victorious times. Thank God for the times that everything's going well. Thank God when everything turns out the way we prayed for it too and hoped for it too and believed for it too. And everything's going smoothly. But we grow the most and we're closer to God's faithfulness and we're closer to what God is doing in seasons or times of seasoning in our life. And I chose that word seasoning because we're seasoned saints. We've been there, done that. We have the Nortonville COG t-shirt, and we knew all about what's going on in life. The scripture reminds you and I, though, that if we believe not, God abides faithful. If we're faithless, God remains faithful in our life. And this doesn't mean that they'd given up the faith and walked away from the faith. There are those that do that. The Bible speaks about that. Those that deny the faith and those that, that turn from the faith and those that walk away from God. But in seasons when our faith is weak, in seasons when our faith kind of withers, in seasons when our faith doesn't produce what we want it to do, in seasons when we can't see the mighty hand of God and, and the purpose of God and the plan of God in our life, are the times that God is actually growing you and I and ministering to you and I and molding you and I and shaping you and I, and we're learning what? It's not about me and not my dependence upon me. My trust and my hope and my belief in the future lies in an almighty God. One of the things sometimes we try to do in this season, time of seasoning is we try to make God's future happen ourselves. We try to hurry God's future. We try to plan out God's future. We try to say, God, this is what I prayed, and this is what I know is going to happen, and this is the way it's going to happen. And if we aren't careful, we begin to do things to hurry up the future plan of an almighty God through his hope for you and I. And Moses did that. I'm going to take care of the situation. I'm going to step in myself, and I'm going to kill this Egyptian. And I'm going to take care of my brethren who are suffering and who are under bondage in this situation. But that wasn't God's plan right then. And so realize that when we're looking for God's faithfulness in our lives through the past and we're waiting on God right now, knowing this, that our tomorrows is going to open up and God has a great future for you and I through his mercy and grace. But Moses killed the Egyptian. His Israelite brethren remind him of that. Said, you, you killed an Egyptian yesterday. And then word got to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh sought to kill Moses, and Moses fled, ran to Midian. Sometimes when God doesn't work out the th- way things we want him to and doesn't move the way we want him to, sometimes our first or our thought process remains like, I'll just run away from it all. I'll just get away from everything. You know, I, I, I won't. Won't worry about it anymore. Sometimes we try to say, what, out of sight, out of mind. Or if I, if I don't worry about this problem, it'll take care of itself. Or, or if I don't, don't get involved in it, then things will happen the way that God has them planned out. So Moses found out that things weren't working out the way he wanted to. He tried to solve the problem himself, and that didn't work. And he, he flees to Midian. There he goes to a well, and he finds a man by the name of Jephro's daughters. Seven of them total. That probably had a little influence on him staying there. But he found Jethro and his seven daughters, and he went, to, he went to dwell with him and live with him. They thought he was an Egyptian. They didn't understand, they didn't understand who he was. So this Egyptian man has come to live with us. And he shows up there in the land of Midian. He begins to keep a, the sheep of Jethro. And he leads the sheep of Jethro, his father-in-law, 
to the far side of the desert, and it says to Horeb, to the mountain of God. And we'll recall again that God's plan all along, before Moses was born and during the birth of Moses and during the early years of Moses, God had begun to work with Moses and teach Moses about the great God Jehovah who reigns and rules. And Moses had heard that. And so in our past faithfulness, it's one thing to hear, and it's good to hear, and thank God for teaching, and thank God for training, and thank God for pastors who preach the Word of God to you and I. It's great to hear that. But it's got to get, as, as we've often heard, it's got to get from our head into our heart and into our spirit in order to be activated and be useful, that we can truly and fully and completely trust God for his favor and his blessings in our life to give you and I hope. And so Moses is at the backside of the desert. You've probably been in the desert. If you live longer, you'll probably be in another desert sometime in your life. It's in those desert situations that we've truly learned how strong our faith is, but more importantly, we learn the unending, unwavering, complete faith of a faithful, almighty God. That, that story's been given in different ways, uh, the footprints in the sand, the footprints in the snow, and, and we read that and talk about that beautiful little illustration, that little poem. Of someone said, no, that I began to serve the Lord, and, and we walked along the beach together, and there were two sets of footprints, and then I had a terrible dry season. I was at the backside of the desert. Uh, I was fleeing for my life. I didn't know what the future was going to hold, and I only saw one set of footprints there, what was happening, and do we recall what happened there? The Lord says, what? My child, during that time, I had you on my shoulder. I was and you were reminded that when Jesus went and looked for that one little lost lamb, so when he heard that cry and he went out of the distance and he found that one little lost lamb, he put it upon his shoulder and he returned with it and brought it back to the fold that that shepherd did. He said, I love my people and I care for you. And I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. You're never alone in this world. And see season that you and I are dry. And these times that he is seasoning you and I, they say to you and I, I'm not very far from you. I'm only the whisper of my name away. I'm only you to call out to me in prayer. I'm there for my children with you all the time. I'm with you through the valleys of the shadow. I'm with you in every situation you go through. And Moses found himself in that situation. But in that situation, in our times of seasoning, Moses sees a bush on fire. We're told by historians that wasn't unusual. It occurred lots of times in the desert there. This bush was unusual because it was burning but not consumed. Moses turned aside to see what's going on. And he heard the Lord say, well, Moses, Moses. Picked him out of the bush. And again, uh, this, I find this kind of remarkable. Moses didn't say, why are you burning and what's going on here? And, and how, why is a bush talking? He simply said, I'm here. Talk to me, Lord, whoever you are. And God began to share with him who he was. Share his plan for him. And God says this to Moses. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. And I've come, I've heard the cries of my people Back in Egypt. Do you remember when you were there and you saw their burden and you saw their toil and you saw their suffering and you saw their slavery? I've heard their cries come up before me and I'm going to send you to deliver my 
people. And so in the midst of our times of seasoning, in the midst of our time of sorrow, we see the great faithfulness of God. We rejoice when good things are happening. But, but may we look back over our life and say, here was a hard time. Here was a difficult time for Sister Allison and I and our family. It dealt with our twins for quite a while there. We, we, we saw nothing probably uh, real positive, and, and faith wasn't moving the way sometimes we thought it should. But we saw the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God and the prayers of God's people and the Spirit of God as it reached down and encouraged and picked up and undergirded and strengthened you and I. And so in our season of dryness, in our season in the desert, know this, that God's faithfulness still prevailed and God has not left you and I, but God is seasoning you and I and preparing you and I so that we can enjoy the victories he brings into our lives. Thank God for times of seasoning. It isn't easy, but thank God for those times of seasoning. Then in Moses' life, number three, there's God's faithfulness in times of success. A young Hebrew child saved from death, reared by his parents, brought up in the home of the Pharaoh, running for his life, becoming a shepherd, and God speaks to him and says, go back and deliver my people. Sure, I I could share today. Um, I knew a little guy that was born with some anemic conditions. He was very scrawny and skinny and sickly. He had childhood asthma. He had freckles and a cow lick that his hair wouldn't do right. And he had great big ears that looked like Dumbo. I could talk about this little guy because he doesn't mind. Because he was sickly, people thought that he was kind of lazy and didn't do very well and wasn't going to amount to much. An alcoholic aunt from his dad's side came on a Sunday afternoon, and she was pretty well happy. But she made a statement. She called this little guy by name and said, God's going to make you a minister. This is coming from an alcoholic lady. In the fourth grade, this little guy had a teacher that took him aside. She was a, never married a lady, but she was his teacher. She took him aside and said, I see some potential in you, and I see something in you that other people don't see, and I see something you don't see in yourself. I'm going to take this year, and I'm going to pour into you, and I'm going to see what I can do to help you to gain confidence and gain esteem. This little guy was bashful and backward and had low self-esteem, didn't think very highly of himself. This teacher poured into him, began to share with him, minister to him. This little guy struggled with that for a while, even into his latter years. But God took this little guy and placed him with a faithful wife and companion and said, you can be a pastor. So can I just remind you that in times of our seasoning, God is working in our lives and God is working in your lives. God has success for you and I. But in the times of God's faithfulness. So God takes this little guy by the name of Moses and begins to use him in times of success. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says this, He who called you is faithful, who also will do it. So whatever God calls you to do, God is faithful. Whatever God has ordained you to do, 
God is faithful, and God will fulfill what he's promised to do in your lives. This little guy, Moses, probably with a stutter pattern, a pattern perhaps, and wasn't very well at speaking and wasn't very good at leadership at this time, but God sends him back to the nation of Israel or the nation of Egypt. He confronts Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go. And we read through the book of Exodus of, of the plagues that occurred there. And then we read of them borrowing everything from their Egyptian neighbors and packing up hastily and moving out of the desert there. And we see this man, Moses, as he leads them to the Red Sea. There's walls on every side, three sides, and there's an, or two sides. There's an army behind them. There, there's a great sea in front of them. And God miraculously parts the Red Sea. And maybe six million people walk through the Red Sea over to the other side there. And Moses sees a great victory there. Then they turn and watch as God swallows up the Egyptian army. And God said, don't worry about your enemy. You go see them no more because I have a plan and a purpose for your life. And God leads them forth into the desert there. They, they see a cloud in the day, and they see a pillar of fire by night that leads them and guides them and directs them. They see water come forth from a rock. They see manna fall from heaven. They see quail come in from the sea. They see a bronze servant that's lifted up on the pole there so that God is able to bring healing to them. And so this young man here says, well, I can draw back on my past. I can draw back even before I was born in my history, my heritage. There. I can look back at what my mom and dad taught me there. I can look back at how God used the Pharaoh and his mighty empire there to help me to grow in him. I can look back at my seasoning time in the desert. I can look back at the burning bush and I can see what? I can see the miraculous hand of God because God has a great future for me and God has a great future for you and may I always remind you and I that God's future is bright as the promises of Almighty God. God's promises are yea and amen in him and what God has promised you and I he will perform. God is faithful. His path faithfulness gives me hope. I have hope for my family. I have hope for myself. I have hope for NCOG. I have hope for our nation. I have hope for God's church. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. That's where our hope lies this day. May you know the hope of God that he's placed in your life. May you know the plan of God he's placed into your life. May you know the future of God he's placed into your life. Our praise team is going to come back in just a moment. I'm, cl I'm cl closing with one scripture here that I want to share with you this morning. In Malachi chapter 4, verse number 2. There's a season, there's coming a season at the close of the book of Malachi in which according to historians, the best we can understand, there's about 400 or 420 years of silence that God doesn't speak from the heavens through the prophets or through the priesthood or through any minister or through anyone or there's no angels appearing. There's that great season in which God doesn't appear to his people for that many generations but Malachi chapter 4, verse 2 says this. But to you who fear my name, those of you that respect my name, and my name is my past faithfulness, my name is my future hope through you. Those of you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Thank God for his future Hope 
that he's provided for you and I. Thank God for the heritage that's been given to the NCOG through the families that have been here. We think of the Knight families and the Collier families and the Shiflet families and the Marsh families and those have been faithful all those years to give you and I a hope that again